Yo, 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 good evening and happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to episode 156 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Week 15 in the NFL is now in the books. I'm going to do a recap on the action from week 15 along with my takeaways. And I'll do a brief recap on the World Cup as Argentina defeat France to become the world champions. I don't know much about soccer, but I want to keep up with it during the World Cup. But this was a fascinating game. I'll give you my takes on that coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. All right. Now, without further ado, let's get episode 156 started. I'm going to start in the NFL and do a recap of week 15. Week 15 had some wild games, including a couple of comebacks. When teams are down three scores, which rarely happens in the NFL, but it does happen. We'll start with the Indianapolis Colts versus the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings was down in this game three to nothing in the first half. You're thinking, oh, this one's a wrap. There's no need to watch no more, right? Well, the Minnesota Vikings in the third quarter scored 14 points, and then they scored 22 points to tie the game up and send it into overtime. And of course, in overtime, after a little back and forth, Minnesota finally got in position and kicked the um, game-winning field goal to pull out the victory. Kirk Cousins had 460 yards, four touchdowns, and two interceptions. Delvin Cook had 95 yards rushing and 95 yards receiving in one touchdown. And KJ Osborne had 157 yards receiving, one touchdown. Justin Jefferson had 123 yards, one TD. In a losing effort, Matt Ryan, on the verge of another choke, 182 yards and one TD. Zach Morris, 81 yards, Russian, and Michael Pittman, 60 yards. This is not the first time Matt Ryan has choked. Everybody remembers 28 to 3 and 2016. So, I'm just going to say this, and I know you're going to probably say, yeah, yeah, Kyle Shanahan's your coach, you're a 49er fan. Yes, but I don't want to hear any more Falcon fans come to me and say it was Kyle Shanahan's fault that they lost the Super Bowl. But Matt Ryan was the quarterback, and this is the second time he has blown a big lead. So, it's not on Kyle Shanahan, this is on Matt Ryan the quarterback because all Kyle Shanahan do is call the plays he put him and put him in position to win the win these games but Matt Ryan he choked away 28 to 3 and he choked away 30 to nothing now for the Vikings I mean all I can say is with this win they win the division and they're known to win close games but this is something they better not make habit for falling behind by three and four scores. They just happen to sort of have a bad team that they could come back on. When they play these good teams, like, like the Philadelphia Eagles, my 49ers, they're not, they fall behind 30, it'll be over. No F ands, buts, and maybes about it. More on in the Indianapolis Colts in my takeaways. 
Stay tuned for that. Now let's move on to the Buffalo Bills versus the Miami Dolphins. Now, the Miami Dolphins did win the earlier matchup in week three. Buffalo returned the favor 32-29. Buffalo won on a game-winning field goal. Their last play was 16 plays that set up the game-winning field goal. The Miami Dolphins surprisingly came out and played well. You figure they'd be hampered by the snow. But they came out and played pretty well and gave themselves a chance to win. They were actually leading this game into the, into the fourth quarter. But they were not able to contain Josh Allen. Josh Allen had a monster game. 304 yards passing, 4 touchdowns, and 77 yards rushing. Delvin Singletary only had 42 yards. Dawson Knox, 98 yards receiving, and Stephon Diggs, 60 yards. Tua Tagovailoa had 234 yards and two touchdowns. Raheem Moserati had 136 yards rushing. At least Mike McDaniel got back the Shanahan fundamentals. Run the ball. Create some balance. Jalen Waddle had 114 yards and a touchdown, and Hyrie Kale only had 69 yards. For the Buffalo Bills, this is huge. They haven't won, they haven't uh, wrapped up the division just yet. If they win out, they will do so, and they will get that number one seed in the AFC. And that means teams are going to have to go through Buffalo to get to the Super Bowl. And they, and and teams better hope they better have no snowy weather like this one. For the Miami Dolphins, they're still in the they're still hold on to I think that fifth speed, um, seed in the playoffs but they got they got to play better they've lost three in a row now and you got teams like the Chargers that are slowly catching up more on the Chargers in a minute so they need to get it together and fast I mean they played the Green Bay Packers on Christmas Eve on Christmas Day I'm sorry but they, they did some good things here, something they can take away from. As long as they get back to their fundamentals, a balanced attack with the run game and the passing. Now let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now the Jacksonville Jaguars pulled off the upset 40-30 in overtime when Dak Prescott threw an interception to Rashawn Jenkins that turned into a pick six. Dallas in this game was up 27-10 in the third quarter. As I was watching this game, I was thinking to myself, looks like Dallas learned from last week. Near disaster versus the Houston Texans. Right? Well, unfortunately, they did not. Jacksonville rallied to tie the game and send it into overtime. After a couple of drives between the two teams, that's when the interception occurred. Trevor Lawrence had 318 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, 21 yards rushing. Now, this is looking like the Trevor Lawrence I saw at Clemson through his three years there. Travis Etienne looking like the same running back he was at Clemson. He was um, a teammate of um, Trevor Lawrence, for those who don't know. Had 103 yards rushing. Zay Jones, 109 yards and three touchdowns. He was balling. I mean, he was looking like Justin Jefferson out there on 
Jamar Chase. Christian Kurt had 92 yards receiving. In a losing effort, Dak Prescott had 256 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Pollard had 75 yards rushing, and Zeke Elliott had 58 yards and one touchdown. CeeDee Lamb was balling, 126 yards. Noah Brown, 49 yards. For the Jacksonville back Jaguars, this is a team-building win. And as I stated last week, if Jacksonville can um, keep this up, going into week 18, they could be facing the Titans for the AFC South. We'll talk more about the Titans in a few minutes. And not only that, Trevor Lawrence is showing why he was the number one pick. And that this is this is this is his real um, building, not what happened last season, which was all which was all a disaster. But kudos to Doug Peterson for coming in here and turning Trevor Lawrence around in just one year. But the Dallas Cowboys, let me just quote my man Adam Shine, you poor, poor Cowboy fans. This has got to be agonizing. Every year, the Cowboys just do it to you. They're such a tease. Yeah, I said it. They're a tease. They just tease you guys every year, and, and you fans go out there and say, they're Super Bowl champs, they're Super Bowl champs, best team in the NFL. And sooner or later, it is crumbled. I know I'm starting to sound like Stephen A. Smith, but he has a point. The Cowboys just do it to you fans every year. It's got to be agonizing. All I can say is they better get it together before next, for, for this coming Saturday. Because the, because the Eagles are coming to town, and the Eagles are looking to wrap up this division. Talk more about the Eagles and Tango. Now let's move on to Tennessee versus the Chargers. Now, the Chargers won this game 17-14 on a game-winning field goal at the end. Justin Herbert had 313 yards. He didn't have any touchdowns. He had two interceptions. Austin Aguilar only had 58 yards rushing and one touchdown. Josh Kelly, the backup, 24 yards and one TD. Keenan Allen, 86 yards. Mike Williams, 67 yards. Now, this is good when um, Justin Herbert can have his two top wide receivers out there, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Part of the reason for their inconsistency, I believe, is the fact that these these two guys have been in and out of the lineup. They can stay healthy. They're in good shape. Ryan Tannehill, not a very good game. 165 yards at interception. But Derrick Henry finally came back to life. 104 yards, 1 TD, 59 yards receiving. Didn't get much else from the wide receiver core. The Titans have now lost four in a row. They could, they're on the verge of possibly losing out and possibly sitting at home watching the playoffs with you and me while Jacksonville takes this division. If they keep losing like this, they're going to set up a nice little Week 18 matchup versus Jacksonville to see who wins the division. And right now, I think Jacksonville is going to take them because they're they're playing well on both sides of the ball. I mean, defensively, I mean, they bend but don't break. And right now, Tennessee 
is, is looking very inept on offense. The defense is doing the best they can. But when your offense is, you know, stagnated, stuck in neutral, the defense can only do with so much. So Mike Grable better get it together and fast. Now let's go on to the Detroit Lions versus the New York Jets. Now, the Lions won this game 20-17 on a, a late touchdown drive in the fourth quarter. The Jets had a chance but missed a field goal at the end. Jared Goff looking, looking good. 252 yards, one TD. DeAndre Swift, 52 yards. Jamal Williams, 33 yards. Amon Rod St. Brown, 76 yards receiving. Now, before now, when I did my podcast on Friday, I thought Mike White was playing. And then after my podcast was done, a couple hours later, I found out Mike White was not playing. So Zach Wilson got his starting job back. He had 317 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. The Jets only had 50 yards rushing as a team, with Bam Knight only having 23 yards. Now, my guy Robert Sala should know better. I mean, you got one of Shanahan's assistants as your offensive coordinator. Where's the balance? Where is the balance? 50 yards is not acceptable. In, 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 Shan- in, in a Shanahan-like offense, I understand you know that it's the, the quarterback's the issue, but you gotta have your, you gotta have a running game to help the quarterback out. Garrett Wilson, 98 yards receiving. Jeff Smith, 77 yards receiving. And Elijah Moore, 51 yards. The Jets are slowly hemorrhaging. They're slowly playing their way out of a playoff spot. And it doesn't look in, in right now. Looking at their next couple of games. They better get it together and fast. Here's what they have going forward. Talk about the New York Jets here. They have they have the Jaguars this coming Thursday. More on that game in a minute. The Seahawks who will also be desperate, and they close out versus the Miami Dolphins. That's a tough slate of games. So my guy Robert Sala, you better the defense. They're doing their part. You better, you better find a way to get this offense rolling. Now for Detroit Lions, they're on a roll, baby. I mean, they are looking. They look like they could get, they could sneak into the playoffs if things break well for them. Because they, because they've won six out of the last seven games. And here's what they have going forward. They have. The Panthers on Christmas Eve. They have the Bears. And they have the Packers. Those are winnable games. Especially the um, Panthers and the the Bears. Now, there's a possibility they could beat the Packers too. But we'll have to wait and see. But watch out for the Lions. They sneak in there. You You never know what could happen. Now let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals versus Tampa Bay. Cincinnati won this game 34-23. Here's the interesting thing about this. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they actually played really well in the first half. They were up 17-0 through most of the first half. Bengals got a field goal at the half. 
the first half, the Cincinnati Bengals looked like they didn't even show up. I mean, they were lifeless on offense. They could get nothing going. But in the second half, they exploded. Tampa Bay turned the ball over on four straight drives. A couple interceptions, a fumble. And then Joe Burrow and the offense went to work. Joe Burrow had 200 yards passing, four touchdowns, one interception. But the only um, bad thing about this game for the Bengals was they only had 53 yards rushing. Sanjay Piran, 24 yards. Joe Mixon, 21 yards. Joe Mixon was just now coming back from a concussion. Jamar Chase, 60 yards passing, one TD. Tyler Boyd, 35 yards, one TD. And T. Higgins, 33 yards, one TD. So the playmakers on, on, the, on the outside came to play. Tom Brady in a losing effort, 312 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Not much in the running game again for the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Leonard Fournette, 44 yards rushing. Mike Evans, 83 yards receiving. Chris Godwin, 83 yards and one touchdown. Russell Gage, 59 yards and two touchdowns. Tampa Bay is still on top of the NFC South. But the NFC South is a terrible, is a terrible division. The only threat to them now is the Carolina Panthers, even though they lost this past um, Sunday. There's still a shot. They have to play them again, I think, in about a week or two to see who wins that division. As for Cincinnati, they're looking scarier and scarier. I mean, they're playing. I mean, they're playing good on both sides of the ball. I mean, offensively, defensively, they're actually playing really well. And they might be the only thing that could keep the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs from going to the Super Bowl. As, as I've been saying all season, the Cincinnati Bengals, since they've been on this winning streak, is a team nobody wants to see. Now let's go to my takeaways from week 15 in the NFL. First takeaway, we got to start with the injury to Jalen Hurts. It was reported yesterday that Jalen Hurts has a shoulder sprain and there's a good chance he could not play this, this coming Saturday versus the Dallas Cowboys. But then again, he has not been ruled out as of yet. I'm going to ask this question. To play him or not to play him on Saturday? That is the question. Personally, I would tread lightly. One game is not going to break the Eagles. They're way ahead in this division. They can just go ahead and start um, Garden Minshew and probably even beat the Cowboys. Because they got everything Garden Minshew needs. They got Miles Sanders running the ball. You got A.J. A.J. Brown Devontae Smith catching the ball. And, and the D Eagles have a pretty stout defense. And the way the Cowboys have not have been looking lately, I don't think Jalen Hurts needs to risk it. Now, of course, if he heals up and becomes maybe 90-95%, okay. But if he's still out there hurting, I would tread lightly if I'm the Eagles. Because we all know what's gonna happen if he gets out there and he gets hurt head coach is going to take a lot of flack for putting them out there. Second takeaway, the Detroit Lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
what do they have in common? In my view, these two teams are one draft away from becoming consistent winners in the NFL. I know it's the Lions. They've been rebuilding since 1957. But Dan Campbell has come in there and has changed the culture of the Detroit Lions. They could easily have a winning record. They're like three and four games this year that they lost that they should have won. And same thing with Jacksonville. After the disastrous first year of Urban Meyer, Doug Peterson has come in there and he's changed the culture. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is playing like the guy, as I stated, that I saw in Clemson. And they got some pretty good players. I mean, they got the running back. They got some good receivers. The defense is young. You know, they're going through their um, lumps and bumps. But with one draft, one more draft, and they may be ruling the AFC South for a long time the way Peyton Manning used to. And for the Detroit Lions, all they need is one more draft, and they're going to be challenging the Green Bay Packers in the um, NFC North. Maybe even the Bears, if um, Justin Fields can get an offensive line and a defense to support him. So all I'm going to say for the Detroit Lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars in the next two to three years, look out. This draft could be the draft that, tur- that turns these teams into, into um, consistent winners. Third takeaway. It looks like we're going to be seeing the end of the Jeff Saturday experiment. Now, of course, I'm not hating. I'm not hating Jeff Saturday. I think Jeff Saturday is a he's, he was a good player in the league, and he's all around good guy. I mean, I love listening to his takes when he was on TV. But the simple fact is, he's way over his head as far as coaching goes. It's obvious he he's, has no idea how to manage an NFL team doesn't know how to manage the game, you know, situational football. He blew a 30-point lead this past Saturday. Now, after the season, Jeff Saturday just needs to just man up and say, look, this is, I'm, I'm not ready for this, and he's not ready for it. Personally, I think he was coerced, um, coerced by Jim Ursay, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, to take this job. And I believe he took this job because Jim Ursay didn't want to lose fans. He wanted to give fans false hope that they had a shot. And it looks like it's backfired. So, all I can say for Jeff Saturday is, once this is over, I hope Jim Ursay will get hire a real coach with real experience. And finally, my fourth and final takeaway Forget the picks meets reality. I'm talking about the Los Angeles Rams. With last night's loss, the Rams have been eliminated from playoff contention. They went all in to win a Super Bowl last year. And this year, they've taken a big fall. Now, of course, to be fair, they have been, de- they have been um, decimated with injuries. Matthew Stafford... Cooper Cup, now Aaron Donald. But still, 
they gave, they gave Ray a lot of draft capital to win this. And now going forward, they don't have a first round pick. They've paid all, they've paid all the players. They give away all the picks. They get rid of, get rid of Jared Goff and bring in Matthew Stafford. And now they don't have any picks for the next first round pick for the next three seasons. And this looks like this could be the beginning of the end of the Rams dynasty. And what that could mean is this could be the end for Sean McVay. Now that I conclude my NFL segment, I'm going to do a brief um, take, a brief recap on the World Cup. Now, to be, I'm being transparent. I'm not much of a soccer guy. I only pay attention to soccer during the World Cup. But I watched that game on Sunday. I mean, I've been able to watch every game. I've watched a couple. But that game on Sunday was probably the greatest soccer game I've ever watched. And I haven't watched many. Argentina beat France on penalty kicks. Lionel Messi finally got that elusive um, World Cup championship. And now he's noted, he's, he's noted as being the GOAT of men's soccer. Argentina was winning this game two to nothing. And you figure there's no way the French were gonna be able to come back. I mean, they were that close to ending this one as, it, as time was winding down. And then France's best player, Mbappe, hit two goals to tie the game. Then um, Argentina scored again to take the 3-2 lead, and you're thinking, that's it. And then Argentina got a penalty when one of their players elbowed the ball, and Mbappe kicked the um, tying um, goal to, to tie it up at 3-3. And they just kept going for another 15 minutes, and nobody could score, and then the penalty round. Mbappe did his part, but unfortunately, his other team couldn't make enough penalty kicks. Messi, he made one penalty kick, and the rest of his team made four out of five to seal the deal. All I can say is, this World, this World Cup final gave us what we, what we fans wanted, even casual fans like myself. We got to see the two best players in soccer play, Lionel Messi and Mbappe. Pape, I think I said that right. If I didn't, my apologies. Now going for now going forward, chances are we're gonna see Mopabe in the future. He's only like 23 years old. Now for Lionel Messi, will we see him again in 2026? It'll be interesting. I mean, he'll be like what? Almost 40 years old. But we'll we'll wait and see. But of course the World Cup in four years will be in the United States. I can't wait to see these guys play again. Now, of course, this will be the only um, episode I'll be talking about soccer until the next World Cup. Now, this will conclude this episode of, one, of 156. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening, downloading, and streaming. I appreciate it very much. You can 
Stream this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and wherever you stream your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter at GGSports13 and follow my Facebook page at Sports Takes Galore with Gabe. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, downloading. Have a wonderful evening, and I'll talk to you again on Friday.